I want to mention again that there's a wealth of resources at mmpress.info. That's mmpress.info. Um, that's Bob Jorgensen's website. Bob did a lot of stuff on Medical Missionary. You can find information there. You can find it on True Education. You can also find on homeschooling. And he also did a lot with medical. There are people in the medical field who are also familiar with Bob. One of the things that he was working on, and I know it's made an impact in my family, is iodine. It, he's, he has a CD available. I would encourage you. Um, there's a doctor who came and did some presentations, and Bob made a um, video of that. And you'd be amazed at the research that's coming um, from iodine and some of the f deficiencies. Um, I guess because I don't have much time, if you want to see me, I can share more on that a little bit later. But I, I have a lot to cover. Also, for anyone who's not here, and I'm hoping that you know more material will be available at patterneducation.org, Pattern Education. They are the sponsors of this True Education Symposium. So we're looking forward to that site, you know, obviously as more happens, um, adding more and more material to it. So mmpress.info and patterneducation.org are two good resources. One third website is, uh, I mentioned before, I'm part of an Adventist, I started Adventist Agricultural Association. And um, not right now, but pretty soon, we hope to have some material up there regarding um, agriculture and farming. And that's at AdventistAg.org, AdventistAg.org. And uh, it'll have information up there pretty soon about the upcoming um, conference we're having in Texas. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to fill our minds with your words and your wisdom. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you this question. What was Jesus' occupation? Carpenter. Okay. How many carpentry stories did Jesus use as an analogy when he was giving these parables or lessons to people that he traveled around? How many? Carpentry. Exactly. One. The wise and foolish man who built a house on the sand or the rock. Outside of that, how many other carpentry examples did Jesus use? Where did Jesus go when he was using parables and examples? Where did he go? Isn't that fascinating? Now let me ask you guys. When you are doing something, when you're referencing something, do you not refer back to what you know? Do you not refer back to your occupation, something that you worked with day in and day out? Why would Jesus go more than anything else to nature? We'll learn about that. Even the Levites in Israel are, um, participated in agriculture. Bob Jorgensen once made an observation, I remember him sharing this with me, that he felt that Jesus was personally involved in agriculture. The way that he spoke about it, the analogies that he used, there's no way that someone could just get up and speak about it without having experience in it. Every family somehow in, the, um, in Israel was involved in agriculture. Another observation, um, actually I'll skip that. No line, as, as, as I come to understand agriculture more and more, as I speak to more people who are involved, now this is coming from someone who comes from business. This is coming from someone who wasn't raised on a farm. This is coming from someone who didn't know what to do with you know, soil balancing and all of that, microorganisms. It was beneath me. Not because I felt that people were less than me, but it was something that I didn't want my hands dirty. I went to school. I, you know, I, I shared the, this in a sermon a while back. My wife and I went to school. We were told to get a good education, a good education, to get a good job, to make a lot of money, to meet your spouse, to buy a nice car, live in a nice house. Right? You get an education, a good education education 
to make a lot of money, at, um, to meet the good-looking spouse, um, to buy a nice car, live in a house, so that you don't have to do all these remedial things. Therefore, when I, after I um, got married, I didn't know how to fix a car. I didn't know how to build a cabinet. I didn't know what tools were. I didn't even own, I owned a screwdriver, maybe a wrench. And I knew how to unscrew a screw, and that's pretty much it. Outside of that, I was useless. So m more and more, as I look at agriculture, Many have said the same thing, that there is no line of activity, including preaching, I submit to you, that teaches us much, as much, as much about God's character as much as agriculture. I remember um, a couple years ago I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, you know, New Start. What is, what's the acronym New Start stand for? I know. I want to see if you guys know. What does it stand for? Nutrition, Science, exercise, water, water sunshine, sunshine, sunshine. not yet, temperance, temperance. temperance. air, air. Rest. rest, trust in divine power, which we know is God, right? So, let me ask you this. What other profession out there allows you to observe all eight of those laws? What other occupation? To a certain extent. I'm sorry? Canvassing. Canvassing. <laughs> Canvassing. Oh, agriculture. Canvassing's pretty close. I, I'll have to think about that one. You're outside all day. You're not inside breathing stale air. You're getting sunlight. There's a lot of research that's coming out. I just read some research, and I believe it came out of Wildwood, and you wild, people from Wildwood can help me. It's talking about vitamin D and absorbing and how they're noticing that people up north who have shorter periods of daylight are more susceptible to cancer than those in the southern hemisphere. Even if you're less active outside, you're still less susceptible to various cancers because there's more possibility for exposure to sunlight down south than up north. And I'm kind of summarizing it. it it's very, I believe it, you could probably find it at Wildwood's website. But if you're part, if you receive their newsletter, I'm remembering now, it came out with that. I don't recall who said that. Do you, anybody from Wildwood know what I'm talking about? No? Um, and it talked about most people are concerned about getting cancer. Sunlight doesn't give you cancer. It's burning, sunburn that gives you cancer. So what you do is you slowly expose yourself to the sun so that you can start to develop a protection, a layer of protection from that sun. The research that's coming out is showing that more people spend, uh, they spend more energy on trying to prevent one type of cancer, but they're finding out that exposure to sunlight and the vitamin D that you're obtaining from that is able to cure, and I'm not going to remember these numbers. I'm, I believe it's seven different cancers. I might be wrong on that. I would refer you to Wildwood on that. So you spend more energy trying to avoid one type of cancer when the benefit of the very thing you're trying to avoid will help you and prevent you from getting seven different types of cancer. Think about that for a second. Bob always said this, and I have come to believe it, and I believe in the Garden of Eden that God established two gardens. He established a garden in the Garden of Eden, and the second garden was in your heart, the heart's garden. The outward garden was, to, was an object and a lesson to that inward garden. What happened in one also happened in the other. As you broke up that fallow ground, that hard ground, you noticed... It taught you simple lessons of what you needed to do to that inward heart as you struggled with that sin or that temptation. I tell my children all the time, and they know this, you know, and I was sharing this with someone the other day. You have these weeds, and they know very well. You have a tiny little weed, and if you get out there and it's growing up around your tomato plant, you get grab a hoe, and you start hoeing around that tomato plant, it'll get rid of those weeds, and they're nice and easy. But if you leave those weeds for a couple weeks, what happens? Those weeds grow. 
And then what, what you don't understand is as tall as they are, the roots might be even taller. And I was sharing with someone, we had a field a few years ago that was just riddled, riddled. I planted potatoes and I planted corn in that field. And it was just full of weeds. And in the process of weeding, I learned a lesson. I actually sprained my wrist. I remember telling my mom this and she laughed and she thought, what? And so my mom came for a visit and she got up there and she decided she was going to help me. And as she was pulling those weeds, she realized real quick... Those roots were deep. And to pull them out, you had to exert energy. So I tell my children all the time, it's easier to deal with that sin when it's a tiny little weed in your heart than it is to wait and cultivate it and allow it to grow and grow and grow and it gets rooted in there. And then what happens as it matures, it develops seeds, these seeds fall, and then all of a sudden you have more weeds that you're dealing with. That one weed multiplies into many, just like one sin can multiply into many. No other occupation can you see those glimpses of the character of God working in you, working in the outward garden, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were to daily experience what they, how they were to work in conjunction with God. God told them, cursed is the ground for thy sake. Think about that. Cursed is the ground for your sake. I'm cursing the ground, but you're going to keep working on it, and it's for your sake. God knew the character of man. He knew what man needed to do to restore that heart, his garden, his heart garden, that character back to the Edenic model. In the book Education, actually, let me back up. I've read this quote a couple times, and this really has become my theme because I really want to solidify it into your minds. Education 271. With such an army of workers as our youth. What is that? Our youth. Not their youth. Not somebody else's youth. Our youth. Rightly trained might furnish how soon the message of a crucified risen and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world. Not part of the world. The whole world. Whole world. How soon might the end come? Is this what we want? Do we want this world to last much longer? Or do we want to hurry the coming of our Savior? What is our mission? How soon might the end come? The end of suffering and sorrow and sin. How soon in a place of possession here, with its blight of sin and pain, our children might receive their inheritance where the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever, where the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick, and the voice of a weeping shall be no more heard. Isn't that wonderful? Let's get busy. Let's take action on this. Stop I've decided, you know, as, you, as, you have, as I've said, I've not Bob Jorgensen. You, some, somebody asked me about the presentation this afternoon. I wish I could get up here and give that. I don't have his mind. I don't have his intellect. I don't have the years of information that he was able to achieve. And um, so I can only present to you from what I've learned, my own experiences. Education, page 22, the laws and operations of nature and the great principles of truth that govern the spiritual universe were opened to their minds by the infinite author of all. We're talking about, we're going back to Adam and Eve. In the light of knowledge of the glory of God, their mental, there it is again, their spiritual powers were developed and they realized the highest pleasures of, the holy, of their holy existence. They received the mental, they received the physical, and they receive the spiritual. What does the word study mean? Does anybody know? Any of you professors, I'm going to pick on you. What does the word study mean? You look up a word in the Bible and put a prophecy and find where it's used. Okay. Okay. What did you say? What does the word study mean? Yeah. <laughs> the word study really if you look at it and you really get to it's 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 I'm not it's it's true definition it's really it's a school the word study really is school and learning there's what what's what takes place in a school 
learning. I said it. Learning is taking place as well as something else. So there's a learn for someone learning. What else is taking place? Teaching. teaching. So learning and teaching are taking place simultaneously in this um, school, right? Nature, and I want to propose to you in it, this is not anything controversial or drastic. Did Adam and Eve have a Bible? No. How can they learn about God without a Bible? Without him, we're not talking about the part where he's coming and talking with them daily. We're talking about before God gets there, how were Adam and Eve learning about God? Are you thinking something like divine revelation from the things that God created? I want to present something to you for thought, and we're going to explore this a little bit. Nature was actually the first book. The Bible is the second, believe it or not, because people failed. Remember yesterday we talked about um, after the people, the Israelites came out of Egypt, the things they should have known, they didn't, so God had to give them what? We talked about this yesterday, little... Ten Commandments. And because they didn't follow the, the Ten Commandments, then what did he have to do? He had to expand on it and give them what? The Mosaic Laws. Because of their failure, because of them trying to build a relationship with God, God had to give them the Ten Commandments. After he gave them that, they still failed to learn of it. And ten simple principles. That's not hard. But they still failed. And because of that, he had to give them more. Fast forward to us Adventists. What did God give us? The Bible. And Mrs. White is clear in this. Because of our failure, he had to send her. Because of our neglect in studying him and digging into his word, he had to send her. That's the second time he's had to do that. So, nature was actually the first book, the original textbook. The Bible came along because we forgot how to study nature. We forgot how to look for the creator in his creation. The Garden of Eden was a representation of the whole, what the whole earth was supposed to be. There was development to be done, making, making it become even better. Turn with me. Somebody find it. And when you find it, go ahead and read it. Ecclesiastes 9.5. You should know this, but that's okay. Let's find it. Ecclesiastes 9.5. When somebody finds it, go ahead and read it. Ecclesiastes 9.5. Okay. Now we know this is talking about literal death and literally people who have passed away. But let me ask you this question. Can you be dead but yet still be alive? I'm not going to answer that. I'll let you guys think about that. I know what I believe. Now let's turn that around. We just read Ecclesiastes 9.5, right? Now let's switch that around and go to Ecclesiastes 5.9. Somebody find that and read it. Ecclesiastes 5.9. Did you catch that? What is that last part? The king himself is served by the field. Adam was the first king this world ever saw. And he had dominion over all. He was to serve the earth the entire earth. Jesus came not to be ministered to, but what did Jesus come to do? To minister, to redeem us back to what we were called to do, right? Okay, they, could have, they would establish more gardening. They, they were, sorry, they were to, I'm, I'm missing, I think I skipped over something, I'm looking for it. Okay, the second part of education, as it, uh, page 22. As it came from the Creator's hand, not only the Garden of Eden, but the whole earth was exceedingly beautiful. No taint of sin or shadow of death marred the fair creation. God's glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Thus was the earth to fit Thus was the earth a fit emblem of him who was abundant in goodness and truth, a fit study for those who were made in his image. The Garden of Eden was a representation of what God, listen to this, of what God desired the whole earth to become. And it was his purpose, not anybody else, his purpose that as the human family increased in numbers, they should establish other homes and schools. I just lost my spot. I apologize. Homes and schools like the one he had given. Now, where did he give it? 
Thus, in course of time, the whole earth might be occupied with homes and schools where the words and works of God should be studied and where the students should thus be fitted more and more fully to reflect throughout the endless ages the light of knowledge of his glory. What is God's glory? His character. They would establish more and more gardening schools. Um, if you read Galatians 3, and I believe it's Romans 3, I was looking for that, um, we're all called heirs of uh, Abraham. And we're all, because of that, spiritual Israel, are we not? We believe this? The garden was the school. What was the textbook? Nature. Jesus used this as his lesson book and redeeming these people while on earth. He always pointed them back to nature. He took them back to these simple things. The same institution, the theme, it did two things. They lived in it, and it was their instruction. This was the original purpose. You live in it, and it was to be used as your instruction, your education. The entire family were the students. This whole institution was established pre-sin. Doing, the, doing these things would be more fitted to reflect God's glory, which we know is his character, than anything else. This is what he established in the garden. Now, I want to digress here for a second. When I talk, God always has the best plan for us. I believe this with all of my heart. But God is so loving and he's so gracious that we derail God many times. And God says, okay, you've deviated, so I'm going to work with you here. Ideally, this is where I want you, but this is where we're at, so I'm going to work with you. And then many times we derail God. God's original establishment, the home, was to be the school. There were not supposed to be institutions. It was not supposed to happen. But in reality, we're marred by sin. We have single mothers, we have single fathers, we have a society, and we need, this is not to bash any other um, type of institution or any other product out there. What this is to do in reality is to call them back and help them to get as close to that original that God established as much as possible. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask you all to stand up. I have the unfortunate thing of coming after lunch. (laughs) And I know what that does to your brain. I want you to turn around and say hi to the person behind you. And then I want want you to turn to the person on your right, the person to your left, and then the person in front of you. And I want you to stretch. Go ahead and stretch. Just a few more seconds. Take deep breaths. Okay. Go ahead and have a seat. I got a lot to cover. Okay, now I'll continue. This ideal plan that God set up was that agricultural practices would perfect the character to more fully reflect his character. The ideal plan that God set up was that agriculture would perfect the character more fully. Uh, What did I say? I don't know what I said. I'm... Okay, I have abbreviated notes. The ideal plan God set up was that agricultural practices would perfect the character to more fully reflect God's character. I'm not sure what I said or how I said it exactly. Um, Counsels to parents, teachers, and students, page 311. Students should be given a practical education in agriculture. This will be of inestimable value, value to many in their future work. Did you hear that? their future work it doesn't mean you have to remain there you don't have to go to the drastic extreme of what i did and i went into it because as a youth i missed all of those opportunities but it's saying what this is going to do is prepare you for your future work whatever god has designed that to be the training to be obtained in felling trees and tilling the soil as well as literary lines is the education that our youth should seek to obtain Agriculture will open resources for self-support. Other lines of work adapted to different students may, be, may also be carried on. But the cultivation, hear this, the cultivation of the land will bring a special blessing to the workers. It's not just saying teachers, did you hear that? To the workers. 
we should so train the youth that they will live they would love to engage in the cultivation of the soil students are to be given practical education and culture i can tell you this my children are not just learning to use a hoe my son has a passion for learning how to do engines it opens the mind it it's, it expands you can learn carpentry work you can learn how to repair a metal one of the things that he wants to learn and i want to learn and I don't know. The first thing about it is welding. It opens the mind and the imagination. You just don't stay where you're at. It's an avenue to so much more. Did you hear? It's a blessing for your future work to come. There's an interesting connection to the hands and the brain. And what happens, they're learning that what happens with what the hand does is teaching the brain. There was a study that was done on that, and I was trying to find it, and I couldn't remember. But you can Google it, I'm sure, and, and, and look up research done with coordination of the hand. We know with piano, and I heard a lecture on this one time, that when you start, I don't, I'll tell you right now, I don't play piano. So if you ask me to go play something from Beethoven, could I start on this piano and start playing it? Unless God performs a miracle, I'll tell you this right now, it's not going to happen. So what is it, my son, if I gave my son a piece from Beethoven, he may have to practice a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he could play it. But what enabled him to get to that level, and I can't do the same thing that he's doing, and he's just doing it with his hands. I have hands myself, do I not? As he worked with those hands, he was programming parts of his brain, and which was, it was programming and teaching the brain to work with those hands so that they knew where those fingers need to go, when they needed to go, and it trained that when the brain saw a certain note, that would reflect without him having to even think about it. That finger in that position would come down and hit that note, and he could go on and play, play something from Bach. My brain has not been programmed. I've, never, I've not d- taken the time to sit there and do that and program. There's just one connection of how the hands can train the brain and they can work together. The same word in Genesis 2, verse um, 8, where it talks about Adam and Eve were asked to till. Someone, actually there have been many studies on this, and... I will take their word. We were talking about authority. This is one place where I'm accepting authority on this because I've heard it too many times, um, and I have done it the, the research myself, so I've been able to. But the word also means serve. So when God told Adam and Eve to go and till the garden, he was telling them to go and serve. Now, again, we talked about this a little bit yesterday and the day before. What were they serving? What's in the soil? Microbes. Go and serve the soil. Education 221 to 2... Um, actually, sorry, I just realized, counsel to parents and teachers and students, I didn't finish. There should be open to the youth means whereby many while attending school learn the trade of carpentry under the guidance of an experience. Some We were talking earlier, experience matters. Under an experienced workman, carpenters who are apt to teach, patient... Here are the qualifications. They're apt, capable, excuse me, patient and kind. The youth should be taught how to build substantially and economically. Cottages and other buildings essential to the various lines of schoolwork are to be erected by the students themselves. These buildings should not be crowded close together or built near the school buildings proper. In the management of the schoolwork, small companies should be formed who should be taught to carry a full sense of responsibility. All these things cannot be accomplished at once, but we can begin to work in faith. You know what that teaches us? It teaches us even what I'm doing. Everything that I want to do, I can't do at once. I can't get up here and give you a 10-hour sermon because I would lose you. Step by step, by step. Isn't that how God works in our own lives? He never forces us. He never dumps on us. He gives us as we're able to receive. With, With a practical training, students will be prepared to fill useful positions in many places. Did you hear that? If the opening providence of God, it becomes... 
if in the opening providence of God it becomes necessary to erect a meeting house in some locality, the Lord is pleased if there are among his own, not hiring somebody from outside, from those among his own people, those whom he has given wisdom and skill to perform the necessary work. How many of our institutions could benefit if we as parents sent them capable, capable, able bodies to help them erect buildings, to help them build foundations, to help them weld together something? How many of our institutions today are hurting and failing because we as parents didn't do our job? jobs? Education 221 to 222. The minister, the missionary, the teacher will find their influence with people greatly increased when it is manifest that they possess the knowledge and skill required for the practical duties of every life. My wife and I, when we got married, we barely knew how to do anything. Thank the Lord we've come a long way and we've learned so much more. The, The idea, it was, we were not to stay where we were. And often the success, perhaps the very life of the missionary depends on his knowledge of practical things. The ability to prepare food. Again, let's think of these institutions. Many of them don't even have capable um, kitchen help. They can prepare food. They don't know what to do with raw produce. True story. The, I know two individuals who were trying to work with the market we have across the street. And because the, they were organic, they were not using any chemical sprays. Actually, let me back up. Let's say the kitchen here. This actually happened. The kitchen, when they delivered the produce, they purchased it ahead of time. When they delivered the produce, uh, the chef looked at it. The lettuce had a hole in it. We can't use that. He said, why? It has a hole in it. Hole in it. He says, well, but taste it. It's healthier. It's more nutritious. There are no sprays and no chemicals on that. I'm sorry we can't use it. He rejected it and said, we're not buying from you anymore. How many of our institutions, can uh, we as parents, if we were to send them discerning hearts and minds, who knows that just because a leaf has a hole in it because some bug got a hold of it before you got the bug, that this organic head of lettuce that I'm going to eat is much more, far more nutritious than this store-bought GMO stuff that I'm going to put into my body, which once once it's consumed, my body doesn't even know what to do with it. it. It's hard to recognize whether it's even food. The ability to prepare food, to deal with accidents and emergencies, to treat disease, to build a house or church if need be. Often these make all the difference between a success and failure in his life work. In acquiring an education, many students would gain a most valuable training if they would become self-sustaining instead of incurring debts. I heard somebody in here say they're covered under school debt. My sister is covered and she's carrying all of this massive school debt that it's, it's, like a, 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 it's like a chain and a heavy weight on her back. If they would become self-sustaining, instead of incurring debts or depending on the self-denial of their parents, let young men and young women depend on themselves. How can they depend on themselves if we haven't even trained them to be independent or give them the abilities to be independent? They will thus learn the value of money, the value of time, strength, and opportunities, and will be under far less temptation to indulge, idle, and spend thrift habits. The the lessons of economy, industry, self-denial, practical business management, and steadfastness of purpose thus mastered would prove a most important part of their equipment for the battle. Did you hear that? The word she chose there? The battle of life. And the lesson of self-help learned by the student would go far toward preserving in institutions of learning from the burden of debt under which so many schools have struggled and which has done so much toward crippling their usefulness. Our institutions don't need money. Money cripples them. They don't need donations. They need capable, 
learned, intelligent students who are willing to work. They don't need a check. I guarantee that if we did more of that, there would be less suffering in our institutions. More would be accomplished because they would have able bodies and willing hearts. All literary training is only part of education. We must not take what we would take as higher education. This world calls higher education into our schools. Now let me ask you, what does the word liberal arts mean? What does the word liberal arts mean? You stole my thunder. Liberal arts comes from a Latin word, which means to liberate. Well, if liberal arts is liberating, what are we liberating from? Think about that. Really, we're teaching children liberal arts, which means to liberate. So if we're teaching them to liberate, what, what is it that we're liberating them from? And I had to think about that for a second. Art is what you... In, I wrote this down because I wanted to get this right. Art is what you engage in for leisure. Okay? So you have, you're liberated from something towards art. If someone else does the growing, someone else does the building, etc., so on and so forth, you can engage in your leisure time. That's where the term comes from. You get paid without getting your hands dirty. You're liberated from work. We're sending our children to school to be liberated from work. True education does not teach them how to get out of disagreeable tasks. Instead, it teaches them to enjoy it. One one education teaches how I can serve myself, while the other one teaches me how I can serve others. What is the purpose of your training right now with your children. What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you teaching them to serve? Self or others? Are you liberating them from work? Six testimony, page... Actually, I wanted to finish education, page 221. I apologize. I keep... Let the youth be impressed with the thought that education is not to teach them how to escape life's disagreeable tasks and heavy burdens, that its purpose is to lighten the work by teaching better methods and higher aims. Did you get that? It's not teaching them just dirty work, but it's teaching them strive to do it better and to come up with more creative ways of doing it. Not to be lazy, but just to do it better. Teach them that life's true aim is not to secure the greatest possible game for themselves, but to honor their maker in doing their part of the world's work and lending a helpful hand to those weaker and more ignorant. One great reason why physical toil is looked down on is because it's done uh, is the slipshod, unthinking way in which It is so often performed. It is done from necessity, not from choice. And I can speak to that for sure. Many things have happened uh, from experience. Many things have happened, and I've had to do it because I've had to, out of necessity. I wish, oh, I wish there were so many things that I was taught younger that I could use to do it now. Instead, I have to go and pay someone else, standing there, spending the money, the whole time thinking, I wish I knew how to do that. My whole thinking has changed. No longer do I want to sit in an office with air conditioning, pushing a pencil, telling people what to do, some of them miles and miles away that I'll never, ever see them. That is no longer a desire of mine. Manual training should correct this error. I'm sorry. uh, The worker puts no heart into it, and he neither preserves self-respect nor wins the respect of others. Manual training should correct this error. It should help develop habits of accuracy. Did you hear that? It's not slipshod. And thoroughness. Pupils should learn tact and system. They should learn to economize time, meaning not waste time, get things done effectively and efficiently, and to make 
Every move count. God doesn't want Myrmidons who just basically performs on an assembly line. He wants thinkers. He wants intelligent beings who are capable but not afraid to do manual work. Six testimony, I'm sorry, I should have given you that, page 178 to 179. Pupils should learn tact and system. They should learn to economize time and to make every move count. They should not only be taught the best methods, but be inspired with ambition constantly to improve. Let it be their aim to make their work as neatly perfect as human brains and hands can make it. If you're out in the garden and you're forming your rows, you know, I've told, taught my children that we're out there. We want beauty. Just because you're a farmer, I had this concept as a young, I remember at academy, I went to academy and the farmers came in and I remember they stunk and they were the, you know, and they were the uncool kids. It's true. Ashamedly, this is, this is the truth. We look down on them. You know, the rest of us, oh, we were readers of the teachers, or we did something inside in an office, while the rest of them, they'd come in from the farm, and oh, those who had to milk the cows or clean the stalls, they stunk. That's, they were below us. That's wrong thinking. God wants orderliness. They're doing, I can tell you, even though we had that in school, something was wrong. The education was, in, in even some, today, even though you have agriculture, doesn't mean you have true education. You're doing it wrong if the children are being looked down upon and they're the most unlearned kid, children in school. You're doing it wrong. If you're doing true education, these kids are going to be the most enlightened, they're going to be the wisest, they're going to be the neatest, the most diligent, and the most caring. Let it be their aim to make their work as neatly perfect. Did you hear that? As human brains and hands can make it. I went ahead a little bit. Um, there was another part. That was the same. I just reread it. Back to education, page 221 to 222. Let the youth be impressed with the thought that education is not to teach them how to escape life's disagreeable tasks. I didn't finish this. And heavy burdens that its purpose is to lighten the work by teaching better methods and higher aims. Teach them that life's true aim is not to secure... Um, there was a the part I wanted... Uh, but to honor their maker in doing their part of the world's work and lending a helpful hand to those weaker or more ignorant. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not the one. One great reason why physical toil is looked down on is the slipshod uh, I'll, I'll go on I can't find it okay here it is such training will make the youth masters and not slaves of labor this is education 221 to 222 it will lighten a lot of the hard toiler and will ennoble even the humblest occupation he who regards work as mere drudgery and settles down to it with self-complacent ignorance, making no effort to improve, will find it indeed a burden. But those who recognize science in the humblest work will see its nobility and beauty and will take pleasure in performing it with faithfulness and efficiency. A youth so trained, whatever his calling in life, hear this, no matter what his calling in life, a youth so trained so long as it is honest, will make his position one of usefulness and honor. Think of all the positions, think of all the things that... Is there honor in this world anymore? Seems like everybody is selfish out for themselves. 6T, page 178 to 179, continued. A return to simpler methods will be appreciated by the children and youth. I really like this quote, and listen to this. Work in the garden and field will be agreeable, will be an agreeable change from the wearisome routine of abstract lessons. This morning we had a lesson on, you know, getting them out in the garden, and we were talking about a radish, draw a picture of a radish. Well, if they're having to try to figure out what a radish looks like and they only saw it from a book, it's not real to them, it's not tangible, it's abstract. But if they've been out in that garden and they've pulled that, gar that radish out of, of your yard and picked it up and they felt it and they've smelled it and they've bit it, my children, we pick, Dad, can I have one? Sure, go right ahead. 
They know they can taste it when you ask them to draw it. They have a whole different perspective. They see it, they feel it, they smell it, they taste it. But if you say to someone who's never been on a farm, draw a radish, they have to recall, have I ever seen a picture of a radish on the internet or in a book? Is that real to them? No. It, it really does. It'll be an, um, an agreeable change from the wearisome routine of abstract lessons to which their young minds should never be confined to the nervous child who finds lessons from t- books exhausting and hard to remember. It will be especially valuable. There is a health and happiness for him in the study of nature, and the impressions made will not fade out of his mind, for they will be associated with the objects that are continually before their eyes. It's real. It's tangible. I was listening to something, um, I want to say last month. Everybody knows by now Google, right? What is Google? The world's largest collector of information, the, you know, website. Um, Google, after years and years of studying and researching, Google was recruiting the best um, students from every university across the world. And Google started to learn something, and they started and, and they figured it out pretty fast, fa- quicker actually than any other company. They figured out that these people that they're bringing into Google are the worst employees. So Google made an announcement which kind of sent ruffles to you know business industry. We are no longer going to take the cream of the crop. As a matter of fact, we're actually going to start recruiting from high school. So someone asked, um, I don't know who it was, the executive at Google, why it was. And he said, they don't know anything. They've sat in classrooms, and they don't know anything. Now, this is interesting. This is a secular. What's wrong with us, God's people, when secular people are recognizing something that we can't even grasp? Google said they don't know anything. They're hard to train, yet they think they know everything. So Google says they don't know anything, but they know everything. So Google says if we can get them out of high school, we can teach them the program, we can teach them, we can open the world to them, and we can create better employees than we will ever recruit from any institution out there. Google also made a statement that if they do hire from the higher education institutions, they're going to get the students who've never had a job. No experience whatsoever. Again, the question, well, why is that? Well, if we get them fresh out of school, we can mold them and shape them into what we need them to be. Because those who come in that have been working come in with baggage. Working the soil is one of the best kinds of employment, calling the muscles into action and resting the mind. I remember it was yesterday, I believe, somebody said that they don't like exercising. And I was sitting there and I was smiling. I'm like, I get exercise every day. I don't have to pay a gym. I don't have to worry about ex- those additional expenses. I don't have to try to figure out what time today am I going to try to figure in where I'm going to work out to stay healthy. It calls into mus- um I'm sorry, I hit it calls into uh, calling the muscles into action and resting the mind. Study in agriculture, this is still 60, 180, 178 to 179. Study in agriculture lines should be the A, B, and C of the education given in our schools. This is the very first work. Did you hear that? The very first work that should be entered upon. Our schools should not depend on imported produce for grains and vegetables, and the fruits so essential to health. Our youth need an education in felling trees and tilling the soil as well as literary lines. Different teachers should be appointed to oversee a number of students in their work and should work with them. Did you hear that, teachers? Work with them. Thus, the teachers themselves will learn to carry responsibilities as burden bearers. P- proper students also should 
should in this way be educated to bear responsibilities and to be laborers together with the teachers. All should counsel together as to the very best method of carrying on the work that they're doing. Can you imagine our schools doing that? <laughs> we could change the world, couldn't we? Still, 6 Testimony 178-79, time is too short. Now, and this was written when? Early 1900s, late 1800s? She was saying time was short then. Think about us. If time was short then, where are we? Time is too short now to accomplish that which might have been done in past generations. But even still in these days, we can do much to correct the existing evils in the education of our youth. And because time is short, we should be in earnest and work zealously to give the young an education consistent with our faith. We are reformers. You know, our children should be educated to, on their own decide that once they finish schooling at home, that when they're getting ready to go off to an institution, they, without our prodding, look at the institution and say, are they following true education? And if they're not, walk away. Rather than carrying debt and building up all these expenses that they'll, most of them will carry the rest of their lives, our children should be taught and educated to reason and make these decisions. Parents, we, God gave them to us for a short time to mold them so that they can become free moral agents just as we are. Not that we coddle them throughout life. That's hard to to bite, especially when you're a parent. But that is reality. Reality. That is where God wants us. We're sending off useless children to many institutions. And what are they being, what's happening? Someone else is filling their minds with their theories and their belief, yet they're wrong. I'm passionate about this. And because time is short, we should be in earnest and work zealously to give the youth an education consistent with our faith. If you believe it, teach it. We are reformers. I love that. We are reformers. You know, I've I, I, I told the story in many sermons, and I have to, I just came to my head. There's just, I, I, I may not do it justice, but I'll try to. The story about this lady. And um, she recently got married, and she has, she wasn't Adventist, so she has a ham, and she takes the ham, and she cuts the end off. How many of you have heard the story before? Cuts the end off, you've heard it, um, both sides of the ham, and she sticks it in the pan. So her husband comes over, and he's delighted this is their first meal together. They were not Adventists, but they're good Christians. They didn't live together before they got married. And um, he, he says to her, why did you cut the ends off of the ham? So she looks at him, and she's like, I don't know. Mom always did. So she picks up the phone, and she calls Mom, and she said, Hey, Mom, I was cooking a ham, and, you know, just like you did, I cut the end off both sides, and I stuck it in my pan. And, um, and then my husband asked me, you know, why did you cut the ends off the ham? And her mom says, Huh, I don't know. Nobody's asked me that. She said, Call Grandma. Uh, um, Grandma's the one that taught me. So she picks up the phone, and she calls Grandma, and she's like, Grandma, I was making our first meal. I cut the end off the ham, just like Mom did. And, you know, both hands stuck in the pan. My husband asked me, why do you cut the ends off the pan? I called Mom. I asked her. She's like, I don't know. That's how I always did it. That's how Grandma taught me to do it. Why do, why do we do it? On the other end, she hears Grandma laughing hysterically. And um, she's like, uh, Grandma, are you okay? What's going on? So Grandma starts laughing. She's like, the reason we did that is when your mother was young, we were poor and we didn't have a pan big enough to put the ham in, so I cut the ends off the ham and stuck it in the pan. And the mother saw that. She never asked why. She was never taught why. She just kept doing the same thing over and over and over. And that's what we're doing. We're cutting the ends off the ham, vegetarian ham, and we don't know why we're doing it. Everybody else does it. Much can now be gained in this way. In following this plan, the students will realize elasticity of spirit and vigor of thought, and in given time can accomplish more mental labor than they could by study alone. 
and thus they can leave the school with constitutions unimpaired and with strength and courage to persevere in any position where the providence of God may place them. Any position. Think about that. Any position wherever God leads them. Our schools... Oh, what time did I start? I forget. 2.30. Can I go just a little bit longer? Not sure. much. Do you guys mind? Four. Try not to take, sorry? Four. No, I'm not going till four. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see, back then, let's, let's say 500 years ago, how did you eat? Did you go down to the local Walmart? How did you eat? And if you didn't grow anything, what happened? I'm sorry, I had too many answers coming at me at once. You starve. Real simple. You don't grow it, you don't pick it, you starve. Today, where do you get your food? <laughs> Village market. Somebody find Proverbs 24, verse 27. Proverbs 24, 27. And when you find that, read that for me, please. I'll try to be quick. I'll try to go through this real quick. Proverbs 24, verse 27. Go ahead whenever somebody has that. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. What does it say? Do the garden first, and then what? So if you move to a piece of land, we have it backwards, don't we? If you move to a piece of land, the very first work of your hand should be to prepare the food. I, I subscribed, and I want to say with an institution, they have it backwards also. Build, get, prepare your food. Institutions want to be self-sufficient. You know, I have the business background, I was sharing this before. The largest expense when you own a business is your employees, regardless. It's going to be employee salaries. But if you're a self-supporting institution, it's going to be food. Think about an institution that goes out and starts the food production before they even put the uh, institution in. How much money are they going to save? Granted, you have to have the right people to prepare the food. You have to have the right people to work the garden. I, I realize that. But think how much. Avondale was an example. Yes. How much more efficient and self-sufficient would they be? Yes. Education 219. As relaxation from study occupations pursued in the open air and affording exercise for the whole body are the most beneficial. No line. Listen to this. Quote, no line of manual training is of more value than agriculture, end quote. Did you guys hear that? It doesn't mean you don't, don't do anything else. That's not what I'm pushing. That's not what I'm saying. And you see, I said many things before this, that there's other things you learn and other things you can do. But we're talking about educating. We're talking about training. No line of manual training is of more value in agriculture. The teacher should be out in the field. The minister should be out in the field. The parent should be out in the field. The student should be out in the field. Everybody. A greater effort should be made to create and to encourage an interest in agricultural pursuits. Let the teacher call attention to what the Bible says about agriculture, that it was God's plan for man to till the earth. And that the first man, the ruler of the entire world, was given a garden to cultivate. Think about it. A king. What's your job? You're not to rule the nation. You're to till the ground. Hmm. God's plan for man to till the earth, that the first man, the ruler of the whole world, was given the garden, a garden to cultivate, and that... Many of the world's greatest men, did you hear this? Many of the world's greatest men, its real nobility, have been tillers of the soil. Show the opportunities in such a life. What was William Miller? Where did he start dreaming about the heavenly sanctuary? 
or the message of um, the 2300 ah, day prophecy in the field. Show the opportunities in such a life. The wise men say the king himself ser- is served by the field. Of him who cultivates the soil, in the, the Bible declares, his God doth instruct him in discretion and doth teach him. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. He who earns his livelihood by agriculture escapes many temptations and enjoys uncumbered privileges. And blessings denied to those whose work lies in great cities. And in these days of mammoth trusts and businesses competition, there are few who enjoy so real an independence and so great a certainty of fair return for their labor as does the tiller of the soil. That's education page 219. Someone once said, uh, it was one of the oil tycoons. I don't really remember. I have the quote. One of these days, I'll Google it and put a name with it. But if you control the oil, you, was it Carnegie? You control the nations. I'm so, Rockefeller? Okay, somebody. Rockefeller, Carnegie. So if you control the oil, you control the nations. If you control the food, you control the people. Are you dependent on someone else for your food? We know what that answer is. Yes. Are you dependent on someone else for your water? Where does your water come from? Are you dependent on someone else for your electricity? Are you dependent on someone else for your clothes? Are you dependent on someone else for the education of your children? Some knows in that one. Then how are you self-sufficient? How are you independent? What training did for Joseph to go through the... Let me ask, sorry, my note. What training, let me ask you this. To prepare Joseph to be the prime minister of a nation, what training did he go through? What type of training did he go through? Prison ministry. (laughs) Moses went through training, I mean... um, Moses went... What type of training did Moses go through to, tra- to, to lead a million people? Where did God take him? He had to go through... Did he go through Yale? Did he go through Harvard? Princeton? He started there. And what did God do? Retrain him to free him from everything he learned. David was a sheep herder. He was out in nature. Isaiah 55, God's way is different from our way. Uh, I'll end it with this. In 1904, I, I, I was driving to the, the farm. I think it had to be two years ago. I remember it was in July, and I don't think it was last year. So I'm thinking it was... Um, no, no, no. Sorry, I'll get back to that. Dot, dot, dot. I'll get back to... I wasn't around in 1904 (laughs) driving. (laughs) No, sorry. I didn't finish that statement. Uh, I paused. Two years ago, I was driving, and I really am confident with that time frame, and it was in July, and I was listening to the news, and they said that for the first time, it was was recorded that for the first time, more people lived in the city than anywhere else outside the city. And I thought, wow, that really woke me up because I felt that that is a sign of the time. In 1904, 80% of the people in the world lived in the country, 80%. Now, today, more than 80% of the world's population live in cities. Can you believe that? More than 80%. In 1904, now I come back to that. In 1904, Ellen White was telling people to get out of the cities and live in the country. Now, 80% of the world lived in the country, and she was telling people to get out of the country. What is the matter with us? Why are we moving in? Why are we listening to our leaders? I don't mean a rebellion. I'm asking you in your own hearts to wake up and listen to God. 
Why are we moving to the cities? Less than 20% live in the country. I found an interesting statistic. There are more people working at Walmart today than there are doing agriculture. There are more people in prison in America than are doing agriculture. Several years ago, there was another statistic released that for the first time, I think it was in 2007, America went from being a producing nation to a consuming nation. Are you guys really prepared and preparing your children for the time that's coming? Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to share this burden on my heart. Lord, I pray that your words and your words alone speak to everybody's heart here. And Lord, you convict them of what you want them to do. But Lord, with that conviction, I pray and I beg you, call them to action. Help them to see and understand your words. And say, Lord, here I am. Send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.